La tagliata messa fuori, c'è Pirlo, 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 ancora Pirlo di Tecco, Tiro! Hello and welcome to the Milan Talk podcast. I'm your host, Samit Paul, and I'm delighted to welcome Jason Brown back to the show. JB, it's been a while. How are you doing? It has been a while, mate. Yeah, I'm doing doing really well. Glad to be back. Good, man. Happy to have you back on. Right, so with the international break, we thought we'd take the opportunity to use this as like a Q&A podcast to answer some of the questions that you had. We'll also pick out a few other talking points and transfer rumours over the past week or so. But we're going to start with the questions you've sent in. So thanks very much for getting involved. We really do appreciate it. Jace, first up, we've got Daniel at Dan Rossoneri. How about an overall review of the team, including new players? What has gone right and what has gone wrong? I think the easiest way to do this, I guess, is just to break down the new signings and put them in two categories in terms of who's been good and who's been bad. Um, yeah. start, starting with a more positive angle. I don't think, based on you know our comments over the summer, that either of us would be thought we'd be sitting here in mid-November saying that Fabio Barini might well be one of our better, better signings of the summer but <laughs> yeah that, that is the way that it's, it's kind of panned out have you um I think you know you've been a supporter of him you never kind of bought into the, the criticism that he was getting when he got signed but pleasantly surprised or did you expect this kind of you know Barini doing his best for the team and, and really kind of being a consistent solid player for us um I didn't expect it to go this way to be honest but I, I did at the time I thought it was a good signing simply because it, it was so um, he was so cheap, and we know that he does have some sort of quality. And the fact that uh, you know both of us thought he was just a backup, I thought you get a, a backup of Barini's. We we did agree that we you know he's got that work ethic. So you know you thought you get a, a backup with that kind of that energy, and he does like I say he's, he's scored some screamers in his his time in the um, in the Premier League. I'm like if you could do that a couple of times for five mil, you can't go wrong, can you? Yeah. But he's definitely um, going above and beyond that. So if you're looking at comparing comparing costs to output, he's got to be the, the best signing of the summer. Really, as I think you know, yeah. I've been pleasantly surprised. I think the point that you make there is that the only thing missing is that quality in the final third. If he can even if it's just on a rare occasion, produce that bit of magic to either produce an assist or a goal, we'd be raving about Barini being an absolute steal. What a signing. He's, you know, like I said, you can't question his work ethic. He, he works hard, his versatility, playing in various roles this season. He's been absolutely brilliant. So full credit to him, silencing the doubters. In yeah. terms of that good sort of category, i probably stick Ricardo Rodriguez, Andre Silva and Matteo Musacchio in there as well. Would you debate any of those three? Or I know you've been a big fan of Rodriguez so far this season in particular, but would those three be in the good books for you? Yeah, they would. Um, like, like, like you say, Rodriguez, I think he's, he's up there as well. I was really excited when we signed him. Um, uh, Silva has done well for me. I think he, oddly enough, I don't think he's, he's had enough opportunities, but when he's yeah. been given them, he has, you know, he's... he's he hasn't disappointed. I, I still feel there's more to come from him, um, but I would still put him in that good category. Yeah, and I, I do agree with Masaccio um, as well. I think you know he's he's been fairly solid. Yep, I'd have to agree. I, do, I take your point as well on Silva. I think especially in Serie, he's not been used enough, and that's yeah. a big criticism of Montella so far this season. So we've seen what he can do in the Europa League, and I think he'll only benefit from having a consistent run in the team. So 
the more we see of him, the better, in my opinion, hopefully, moving forward after the international break. In terms of the sort of disappointing and bad group, if you like, I've put Benucci in there to start with, but in his defence, I do believe he has been better more recently. He had that suspension, he came back two games in a row, two clean sheets, and he has looked more settled, more commanding. You've cut the mistakes out, and I think you know we're starting to see the Benucci that we thought would be signing. So I still stick him in there for the being kind of disappointing for the start of the season, but he's definitely starting to turn it around in most people's opinion. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think we both were on here talking about how disappointed we were in Benucci. But like, like you say, you, you, you pulled up his stats there. He definitely came back after that suspension. And is it, is it as if, you know, the rest was good for him? I think he's had time to contemplate and, and he's come back with a new mindset and he's definitely improved and let's hope it just continues. Absolutely. I'm going to have to upset you with my next pick. And I, I know. I, I have know. put Frank the Tank <laughs> Kessie in this group as well. All sides so well. We were raving about him being, you know, that real commanding, sort of powerful driving force in midfield. Ultimately, I think he got overplayed too soon and he kind of burned out immediately. And given that we haven't got an alternative in the squad to kind of rest him and Montella's mismanagement of him playing him when he probably should have rested him, I think we've seen Kessie really struggle. Again, similarly to Benucci, I still feel there are more positive signs recently just before the break, but I'm guessing you are disappointed with Kessie, especially with all the high expectations that we had in the pre-season. Yeah, I'm, I'm very disappointed. Um, like you say, I do agree with you. It is down to, I, I think he's exhausted. Do you know what I mean? So um, hopefully he he gets back to where he was at the start of the season. But it, like you say, it does all depend on how Montella manages him and um, his, his output. But in... Um, I'm not going to say in his defence, but you know to level it against him, we're we're not even like halfway into the season. If you don't have the stamina to to last half the season, then maybe you shouldn't be playing professional football. But um, I do agree, he does do a lot for the team, and the fact that, like you say, there is no alternative, he does get used all the time, so it is a lot um, on him to bear. So hopefully in January that's addressed, and we we get someone who can fill that role so that we can give uh, my man Frank a bit of a rest now and again. But yeah, unfortunately, I'd have to agree he goes in, in, in the bad category for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, additionally, in this group, I've got Biglia, Chalnolu and Kalinic. Again, I'm disappointed in all three, really, especially Biglia. We thought he'd be a key signing in midfield, stringing everything together. I don't feel like we've seen enough character, enough personality in his performances to be a sort of real positive impact influence on us. Hakan has had his problems. He's just too inconsistent, goes missing too often. And our good friend at VA Jack Sparrow has been very keen to point out on <laughs> yeah. a number of occasions <laughs> how badly wrong we've got it on Kalinic so far. It is really disappointing, Jason. Okay, so maybe we probably thought he might have struggles with goal scoring. We did say a respectable tally this season. We didn't expect him to be you know, a prol prolific scorer as such, but... It's the little things that he's not doing that we thought he would in terms of building up play, helping to link up things and running the channels, being clever. We've just not seen enough of him. So combine those with that with Biglia, Hakan. Do you, you agree with those are all in the uh, the disappointing category so far? Yeah, mate, I can't I can't fault you there. Um I'd just like to add I am, you know, disappointed in Callan. It's like you say. Um he the things that we thought he was there to do, he's not doing. I don't know. Again, if that's down to playing styles, um, being different to where he was at last in Florentina. But 
I, I was really expecting more. I thought he was like a perfect addition that we needed just to, to cap the team off nicely, but it hasn't gone uh, to plan, has it? Not at all, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. I guess you could apply the same and say maybe not enough of the season has gone. He's still got plenty of time to kind of turn the opinion and turn things around for himself. But yeah. I think uh, with the competition up top, where he's, he's not got many more opportunities to continue to disappoint. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Andrea Conti's been injured. It'd be quite unfair to stick him in the bad category, I guess. But uh, yeah. fingers yeah. crossed he can uh, come back before the season ends. Anything else, Jason, in terms of what you've seen from players, the team? Obviously, the back three has been a massive talking point. We've stuck with it, even though there was a case when Benucci was suspended to maybe go to a back four and, and kind of test that out moving forward. Um, in terms of standout players, I'd probably st- uh, stick Suso in there as being our best player, obviously creating and scoring goals. He's He's been our most consistent performer. But any thoughts on the back three, whether that still is the way forward and Suso's early form? I think, um, yeah, I, I'd agree... The back three was an interesting one, you know, keeping it when Benucci was out. But I agree if, you know, we are, if Montella decided to make this move um, to suit Benucci and Benucci's his man, um, I think we have to stick with it. Um, we see the trend across Europe as well. A lot of teams are switching to the back three. So I think it's kind of, um, the only thing I can compare it to is is back, you know, back when it used to be four four two. you know, you'd never think back then that, you wouldn't play without two strikers. Yeah. And now I, I can't name a team that plays with two strikers. <laughs> and I think we're moving towards that in terms of, you know, the back three. I think the the traditional, you know, two centre-backs is, is gone. And I think a lot of more teams will be switching to the, the back three model. And um, I think, yeah, I think it's good that we've, we've got the players uh, to do that. And we just need to continue that moving forward. Um to your point about Suso, I would agree. I think he's, he's popped up with a bit of magic. Um, he has been one of the most consistent players as well, um, which is good because, you know, he's with all the what 11 new signings, I think we needed him to kind of step up. And and, and although he's not, you know, he's not team captain, but he needs to show that sort of leadership yeah. being one of the, the more senior players. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed with Suso and, and I hope it continues. Is there a negative to that, though, as well, in the sense that we look almost lost when he's not being influential? We have to keep going to him to make something happen, whether it's delivering a dangerous ball into the box, whether it's cutting in on the left. I know people are starting to draw comparisons to Iron Robin now because you know what he's going to do, and yet he still manages to curl a shine to the back of the net, or yeah. you know, he always finds a way to do something. Is that a concern for you, though, as well, at the same time, that we do have to rely so heavily on Suso when Hakan... You know, Silva, Kalinic, other people aren't stepping up and delivering as well. It it is a little bit, but I mean, to reference what we talked about earlier, the fact that Silva isn't being used um, in Syria, I think he might be he might be the guy. Do you know what I mean? So, I think once Montella puts a bit more faith in in Silva, we we might find, and you know, to mention Catrone as well, I think. Yeah. If, if the two of them get more of a chance, I think the reason why Suso is so relied upon is because he's really one of the, the few players that Montella trusts in that role. So I think it's probably down to Montella. If, if he gives uh, Catrone, especially, I think, um, if he's given um, you know the responsibility, I, I don't see him shying, shying away from that. And same with Silva. So hopefully we would start to see them uh, use more and we'll, we'll get to see what they're made of and and I don't doubt that they'll you know be two players that we can 
depend on to pop up with a bit of magic and score some important goals. 100%. Can't, can't disagree with that. Next question's from Samir Mohammed at Samir Mohammed 72 Do you guys think that we can still reach the top four? Or have we got to work with the Europa League? Can we win that? Because Atletico Madrid and Dortmund have joined as well. In terms of top four, Jace, I am starting to think we can't. There's a nine-point gap between us and fourth place at the moment. You've got Lazio and Roma with both of the game in hand. And yeah. crunching the numbers, I think the top five have played a combined 58 games and they've won 47 of those. So that kind of outlines the task that's ahead. And for me, especially with that indifferent form, we've got Napoli next after the international break. The gap could be even bigger. Do we really have the confidence that we can close that gap and be consistently great between now and the end of the season and hope that those guys slip up? I can't see it. I think we've given ourselves too much to do. Is that? Do you agree with that? Or do you still have faint hope that we can still manage it? Uh, I still, I still have faint hope. Um, I take your point. It, it does look like a, a bit of a lost cause. But um, for me, in in um, football, you know, Christmas around that time is always quite vital. I think, especially now we've you got the the mid season window. So I think you know, I'm not wishing injury on anyone, but. You know that that top five, the minute anything can happen um, to some of their star players. I'm not saying I want it to, but you know, same point. Anything can happen to our star players. I, I take that point as well. But uh, I just think it's a bit too early to um, to write us off. And you know, teams go through periods of bad form, um, and we potentially could go through a period of good form. I think if some of our issues are addressed in the January window. Uh, we might be able to mount a bit of a, a last-minute surge and uh, jump up two spots, or three spots, sorry. Um, but I do take your point, looking at that current top four is going to be very dis- difficult to, to dislodge any of those. But, you know, I'm, part of me thinks we might just miss out and potentially, um, if we can put together a good run of form, we, we could potentially pick um, Roma or more likely just, you know, Leapfrog Sam Doria, but um, yeah, I still I still re- re- remain hopeful, although you know it's more with my heart rather than my head. I'm glad you're back because I've needed your positivity because <laughs> you're not going to like my next answer either. I don't think. But I mean, I don't want to sound like a miserable sod, but in terms of Samir's question about the Europa League, you've got a question whether we can do anything in that either because I feel like. It's our better shot in terms of getting back to the Champions League. And I'm not suggesting that's going to be, yep, to walk in the park. It's the Europa League. We've got enough quality, better quality than other teams. We should walk it. I just think that with those teams coming down as well, with Arsenal, of course, um, I think our form so far this season, you can't confidently say that we've got what it takes to be a team that can go all the way through the knockout stages, go all the way and win it. So I think I'm not saying we should prioritise it, just yet I'm not saying like to put all our eggs in one basket and go for it but I feel as though that is potentially now rapidly becoming our best opportunity to get back to the Champions League yeah I, I agree um it like you say it will be difficult um mainly because of Arsenal <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah Atletico Madrid and uh, Dortmund as well yeah they they will be um difficult opponents if if we are drawn against them but yeah I'd, it's, it's, it's a hard one I think Cup competitions, it's probably easier to, to hype yourself up for those big games, um, especially when you're looking at you know the um, two-legged affairs. I think you, you have got more of a chance and you can probably kind of um, you know, get your way through those, those ties tactically, whereas you know, a, 
a league game, um, some teams are just happy to take a draw in yeah. cup competition. You know, draws are not good. <laughs> yeah. So um, it kind of teams get, you kind of open up a bit more and that's when you're liable to make a mistake and lose a goal here or, um, you know, the other way could be said as well. But it's going to be very difficult to, to win the Europa League, I think. But like you say, the, the way the league's looking, it is looking like our um, our only hope. Yep, certainly is. Uh, still holding hope, Jace, of uh, Arsenal land final, but uh, we'll have to <laughs> wait and see if, we, if we're making that trip next year. But we'll uh, fingers yeah. crossed. Uh, second part of Samir, Samir's question was: This January, should we get a world-class player, a few young potential players, or an old head capable like Zlatan Ibrahimovic? I think I personally would only like one, maximum two players to come in and fill key positions that have been problems. I'm specifically looking at a winger and a midfield alternative to Kessie, as we mentioned. I don't think we're going to splash out and we're certainly not going to splash out as much as we saw in the summer. So for me, I think it's a case of stopgap solutions and maybe even looking at potential loan deals just so we've got something for six months and then reassess at the end of the season and then go again in the summer and kind of get our plans in order moving forward. Do you see us differing from that? Do you still hold hope that maybe there will be one big name in January or is that kind of same kind of theme that you're you're thinking of? Um, yeah, same same sort of theme. I don't think we'll, we'll spend big, um, especially with the way things are with Montella. I don't know if they're gonna give him, you know, a, another kind of blank check, yeah. check, as it were, to to spend big. If you know, potentially he may not be here next season. I think they'll probably wait um, and see what happens there. But I agree. I think some some key positions, like you mentioned, um, you know, the Kessie alternative I think will be key um, and a winger like you say um, but although you know Barini seems to be able to play anywhere we could stick him <laughs> stick him on a wing for a bit but um, yeah I, I reckon we, we might get a, a centre mid but yeah I don't see us spending big in January No certainly not but you never know they might have a surprise in store so we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see okay. uh, Bori Olodemi at Bori Keynes asks well begins with a point I think Montella should get fired if he plays Kalinic against Napoli. He's not showed any spark the last few games. Doesn't make sense to play him if you have someone like Andre Silva on the bench. I think we both agree with that, but we'll, we'll come to that in a second. So I guess my question is, should Montella get fired if he loses against Napoli and plays Kalinic over Silva? I don't think the Kalinic thing is going to warrant Montella getting fired, even though it's a very, very frustrating sort of situation where Silva has to be our first choice. And even someone you've mentioned earlier, Catrone, I would even put above... Kalinic in the pecking order so yeah. it's very frustrating it's annoying but I don't think that's sort of grounds to kind of say yep if he does that then he's going to go but in terms of a loss against Napoli Jace I again don't think that's going to make a difference I think if Fasone and the hierarchy wanted to make a change they would have probably done it over the international break it would have made most sense to do it then give the new manager a couple of weeks to bed in get to know the players start again if you lose to Napoli leading the way top team in Italy, some people's favourites for the title. I don't think that's going to be enough to say, yeah, do you know what, that's, we've had enough, that's Montella gone. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it would be harsh. Um, I do think, like you say, they would have made the change now, but I, I reckon the the higher-ups know whether or not you know Montella is their man for next season and whether or not it's worth letting him go now or, you know, as it were, kind of writing the season off and, and just preparing for for next season so I don't think we'll see him go um, mid-season um, because I know I've talked before about um, 
potential managers who are available now. I think if if he were going to sack Montella, we, we would have done it and and re- had him replaced. But I think they're probably waiting to see who becomes available um, in in the summer. So or who they can tempt away from from a club. So yeah. I, I think you know, regardless of the result, I don't think Montella will go. Yeah, that's it. Well, I think I'm going to let's go to the next question because I think I've got a point in terms of what you mentioned there about alternatives to Montella. So, Moz at Mr. GL, do you give Fasone and Mirabelli credit for being patient with Montella or do you think they should have sacked him already? Again, I think it can go either way, couldn't it? If it works out between now and the end of the season, they're geniuses because they stuck by Montella, they showed faith in him and everything worked out in the end. But if things don't improve, then they're going to receive blame as well for not acting quicker. Um, and personally, I think it's right that they've probably stuck with him for now because I just don't see the viable alternative. Like you said, Jace, I mean, you can talk about um, Ancelotti as much as you want, but does he really want to come back to this kind of situation at this stage of his career? I don't think so. I think he's going to look for a top job, see out his career with a few more trophies and ride off into the sunset. Um, Paolo Souza was linked with the job. He's now gone to China. Walter Mazzare, for, former Napoli Inter boss, don't see what he would offer differently to Montella. I think we'd probably be taking a, a backward step, if anything, with him. And then I'm presuming you may have been hinting at Antonio Conte in the summer, whether he leaves Chelsea or not. But for yeah. right for right now, I just don't see where the alternative comes from. So I probably would give Fasone and Mirabelli a bit of credit for being patient, but it's also been forced on them to an extent, I, I believe, personally. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Um I think you're spot on with the the Conte point. I think I'll be very surprised if they haven't already um, reached out to to Conte's people and are potentially, like you say, uh, just holding out for him in the summer. But yeah, um, I I agree with everything you said there. I think, you know, the alternatives, like you say, they've probably had a look and they're just not there at the minute. So why let go of of someone who has built this team, essentially, um, to bring someone else in who's going to want to, try and bring their own players in in January and then you're looking at spending a massive amount um, in, in one season. And like we talked about before um, in some of our previous pods, that might mess up the uh, financial fair play. Yeah. So I think you've got to, like you say, give give the, the higher-ups a bit of credit. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Just on Conte though, do you see that as an, a genuine option at the end of the season? I know he's had his troubles with, well, we're led to believe that he's had troubles with Chelsea dating back to the summer, whether that was with the Diego Costa situation, whether that was with lack of depth being added to the squad, some reports of him being homesick, wanting to go back to Italy. Do you see the way things that are playing out at Chelsea, I know they beat United before the international break, do you see a split coming between Conte and Chelsea or do you think that ultimately if results arrive between now and the end of the season then that will just determine it and he'll stay for longer if that's the case? Um, well, I definitely see a split coming. Um, I believe, like you say, there were there was a lot of talk over the summer, even before a ball had been kicked, about there being you know a bit of tension between Conte and and, and the Chelsea um, board, like like you say, with the um, the lack of investment um, on players, which is always a bad sign. I think um, we saw kind of a similar pattern to when Mourinho had just won the league and then you know the next season he, w- he was gone just after Christmas yeah. so um, it, it seems as if there was always a bit of tension there and the way that Chelsea have been playing um, like you say I know they beat Man United uh, just before, before the international break but I doubt very much that they're going to um, they're, they're going to 
get top four, they might just nick it. But I think anything um, less than top four, we'll, we'll definitely see him go. No, I have to agree with that. That's, that certainly seems to be the case. Yeah. Good stuff. Moving on to the final question uh, was from Dallin Totiantum from at MDCoop3. Greetings, Samit. Any chance to sign Aubameyang in winter or summer, or is it a lost cause? This team is in desperate need of pace. He's been on record wanting to play for Milan. Give me pace or give me death. It's quite, <laughs> quite dramatic, Miles. <laughs> Hopefully for the former. Uh, can't agree with Miles more on this point about pace. I've said it before in previous podcasts. We're absolutely desperate for some. I think it's all well and good having the likes of Hakan, Suso, Bonaventura, all these technically gifted players being good on the ball. But if you've got no pace, got no movement, especially on that left wing, we just can't get in behind teams. We can't have that one-on-one situation where we're causing a different problem. So for me, pace is absolutely necessary moving forward. I don't think we've got any chance of Aubameyang in January. Can't see that being a, a mid-season move. And to be quite honest, I think if we flop this season, I think it makes it difficult for us for next summer. I do take into account that he did make it fairly clear that he wanted to come back and he was essentially waiting for Milan to do something. But... You know, if we're talking about splashing out, I don't know how much you rate him at, Jace, but I, you know, we're looking at close to what eighty odd million euros, I guess, to, to prize him away from Dortmund. If we're going to splash out that much, that must mean that we're going to have to sell to get him as well. So, I think it's very difficult moving forward. Definitely not in January, and I have my doubts in next summer. So, again, I'm being a miserable one. <laughs> Can you shed any positivity on this Aubameyang potential signing? Um, yeah, I think I, I agree. Definitely not in January, but potentially again. For me, it all goes comes back to um, who will be uh, managing us next next season. I think depending on on who comes in or if Montella stays, a deal potentially could be done um, because you know I, I see some players, some current players going. Like you say, um, we would have to sell, and definitely if a new manager comes in with new ideas. They'd want to bring in their own people, probably get rid of some of the current players. And if Aubameyang is, is like you say, he has mentioned that he, he does want to come back. Um, if he is out there, again, available, um, I could see a, a someone like Conte potentially um, going for him. Um, I think I'm not wrong in saying that Aubameyang was linked with Chelsea this season as well, wasn't he? Yeah, so yeah. I think Conte is keen on him. Um and I know this is all just speculation. We don't know if Conte is going to be the new Milan manager. But um, if he does take over the reins, I wouldn't be surprised if, if a deal does get done. Give me a Conte Aubameyang double <laughs> next summer <laughs> and I'm a happy man. I'm all over that. But uh, yeah, like I said, we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. But I don't know, Jace, hopefully you've just given us an exclusive there. We might have a new manager and a <laughs> yeah. top striker next summer. But yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Good stuff. So again, thanks for all the questions. Really do appreciate it for getting involved. Uh, just a couple of other talking points that have arisen over the last couple of days, week or so since the uh, last game. We've had the sad news, Jace, of uh, Andrea Pirlo announcing his retirement from football. Really sad. I think it shows maybe, but definitely shows me my age because it's almost like one of those ones you grew up watching, one of your kind of heroes, seeing him hang up his boots. It was it hit me quite hard to be quite honest, and uh, I was quite surprised how, how how upset I was over it, but. One of the game's greats um, in terms of being one of the best midfielders to ever grace the game, in my opinion, whether that was with his vision, passing, where he moved on the pitch and just his all-round game. I think he was just one of those silky, classy players that was loved by not only for the clubs that he played for, but I think generally around the world, he was just one of those figures that many, many loved. So sad to see him call it a day. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, like you say, he's, he's definitely one of the best midfielders ever 
um, to, to you know grace the game. And I think you, you can tell and and how um, how big an impact the players had when you know you know as a, as a kid you see the kids playing and they're naming passes after him. You know you talk about that, that Perdo pass. You know <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's it's just synonymous with a, a great long field ball. You think yeah he's he's pinged it like Perdo hasn't he? So um, yeah I think. It is a shame. It, like you say, it shows shows our age, um, the fact that we've kind of grown up with him, and it, it will be disappointing to see him go. Um, he's done so much for for not just Italian football, for football in general, and um, you know it's a shame. And hopefully, uh, he has a, a good send off. Absolutely. Do you think we'll see another one like him? I know it's difficult to say we'll ever have like a similar player, but because my kind of thing is that we've spoken about it previously on our part as well, just in terms of how the World Cups don't feel as special as they used to, whether that was because of the star power, the individual quality. You know, you enjoy seeing, you know, you mentioned Closer the last time we spoke about this, I remember. Um, yeah. the Brazilian Ronaldo, the original, the best, the better one, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. um, Pirlo's, you know, all these players. Do you think we'll be able to kind of breed it, like bring in a new generation and kind of move on from him? Or do you think we'll always look back and pine for, uh, like you said, no one can play a pass like Pirlo kind of thing? Do you see, do you see that happening or...? Do you see how you're positive about the future and other players stepping up? Um, I think from our perspective, I think it's always difficult, um, the nostalgia aspect of uh, how old we were when, when we, we saw these players at, at World Cups. I think for the younger generation, they probably already feel that way about some of some of the younger players. But I think for us, it would be very difficult for me to view an, another player in the way I viewed um Perlo or the way I viewed, you know, Ronaldo, like you said, or, or yeah. closer. So it's going to be very difficult. But I think we will see some um, some pretty special midfielders um, when he do what Perlo did. I, I doubt that very much. Absolutely. Just to bring up your point, my, my nephew thinks Gabriel Jesus is like the best thing <laughs> ever. So <laughs> completely, yeah. completely agree with your point there. Uh, good stuff. Right. So just some comments from Gattuso, which I picked out. I thought were hilarious. On ter- in terms of on whether he helped improve Pirlo as a player, he said, don't talk nonsense, let's not confuse Nutella with something that I can't repeat. <laughs> repeat. Uh, I played with him for about 20 years when you consider the national youth teams. In difficult moments, I just gave it to him. I always felt assured when I was next to him. I understood what I had to do and he was taking care of the rest. He helped me much more in my career than I did him. So that kind of just tells you everything you really need to know when uh, his teammates talk of him so highly. So, uh, yep, definitely sad to see Pirlo go, but... Fingers crossed, like I said, good send-off and uh, we see other talents step up. In terms of other news, Jace, there was a three-hour meeting with UEFA to present the financial fair play proposal. Um, comments coming out of that meeting were that Milan were optimistic about the outcome. They've also enlisted BGB Western to refinance debt and find new investors to buy out the hedge fund from Elliott Management. Again, it's difficult to kind of make too many comments when we don't really know the full picture, but... Are you take what do you take away from that? Are you positive that we're taking steps to kind of get the financial situation in order, or do you still look at it coupled with kind of failures on the pitch so far this season and think there's a lot of question marks unanswered yet? We really do need to kind of start getting the house in order. Is uh, is it still an area of concern for you, or do you think we've got it all in in control for now? Um, I think, like you say, it's hard to tell, but it seems as if. Um, we're being proactive about it, which is always a good sign. So hopefully, I, I think they're being quite honest when they say they they feel optimistic. But um, with with finances, especially massive uh, debt, 
that we have and, and the amount of spending that we did, it's, it's going to take time. So um, I think, you know, a club with our, our heritage and our history, um, I think, you know, it, it no one will, will let us go under. I think there will always be someone who wants to invest in a club with, with the kind of um, prestige that Milan has. So hopefully there's nothing to worry about. Um, but I'd, I'd really, like you say, with, with uh, football finances, the numbers are just so astronomical. It's, it's, you can never tell, can you? No, it's true. Yeah, certainly is. Uh, that seems that way. But uh, well, like I said, we'll have to wait and see in the coming days and weeks whether we get more information and hopefully it's uh, a brighter picture. And unfortunately, Jace, we're going to have to end on a, a potentially negative note. We've got Italy struggling badly to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, 1-0 down against Sweden ahead of the second leg in their World Cup playoff on, uh, in Milan on Monday night. It's going to be really strange if Italy don't get there. I'm still quietly confident that they can do it, you know, based on qualification so far. And Ventura's received a lot of criticism, and rightly so, in the last week or so, especially after that Sweden game, but throughout the qualification process as well. You know, Italy haven't failed to qualify for a World Cup since 1958. I still remember the good old days, me and you, as young 18-year-olds coming out of sick form, celebrating the Italy winning the World Cup in 2006. Yeah, um, it's going to be damaging. I feel for the World Cup. I know they don't play the greatest football on earth, and there are still people that you know detractors out there. But it's not going to be the same for me. The feeling-wise, in terms of having a World Cup without Italy, would you agree, or would you see if they don't qualify, it just simply means they're not they've not been good enough? No, it it would be a shame not not to see Italy, especially you know after the World Cup, um, the last World Cup we we didn't hold much. Um, well, I personally didn't hold much hopes for for the team going into it and they really really surprised me um the way they played uh so it would be a shame oh i'm thinking about the euro sorry i think the, yeah, yeah the euros really impressed impressed me so um it would be a shame not not to see uh, the team there like you talked about the nostalgia attached with you know world cups and italian national team so not to have them there would be really disappointing and you know to mention the fact that they're going to be replaced by Sweden. I think who would, who would rather want Sweden? I can't name three Swedish players. I can name Zatan, that is it. He's retired, you know I mean? Chase. He, he doesn't even play. <laughs> so, you know, for, for me, it's, yes, you've got to get Italy in there, I think. No disrespect to anyone Swedish who's listening, but definitely would, would prefer Italy over Sweden. Absolutely. Well, I think time is going to be up for Ventura if they don't make it. It has to be. I think, I don't know if you saw that viral clip of... Uh, Insigne coming on against Sweden and kind of sort of explaining to the players on the pitch that he was meant to be playing in the midfield when he's a winger for Napoli and they were all just like, really? Are you really playing <laughs> as a midfield? So uh, I think Ventura not only has kind of um, frustrated and angered a lot of supporters, but he's also got the players all mixed up. So failure to qualify, Ventura out. And to be quite honest, if, we, if Italy do qualify, I don't see them uh, having much hope with Ventura still in the hot seat. So... We'll have to see how it plays out. But uh, yeah, big game tomorrow night. Jace, I think that's a wrap for this podcast. Unless you had anything else you'd like to add? No, I think we, we covered it always. It was definitely good to be back and uh, talking about some uh, some good football again. Absolutely, mate. Hopefully um, we'll get you back again for another Q&A uh, in the next few weeks or months. But uh, definitely happy to have you back. Thanks for coming back on. Uh, in terms of keeping up to date with everything, we've had a small change. You can find us at Milan Talk one on Twitter and Milan Talk 1 on Facebook. 
subscribe on YouTube at the same place. Um, but until next time, Jace, nothing left but to say goodbye to the people. Goodbye to the people.